if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two now underway at nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks again for being with us. And thanks again to Dr. Blaylock last segment. You know, I forgot to mention this to him, or at least, you know, spotlight this for him when I had him on the air. And that is the fact that all of the studies that he cited and all of the uh, other information from scientists and doctors with respect to the dangers of wearing the masks um, are all included in his article. I, I've posted it. Um, to my webpage, to my Facebook page, I should say, Twitter also, but it's at uh, France Radio on Twitter and on Facebook, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. And you'll see the story. Uh, it was uh, shared from citizensforfreespeech.org. But at the end of the article, he has a list of references. He cites 13 different references with respect to studies that have been done uh, to back up his point on the masks. So this is not something that is you know, made up. It's not something that is just somebody's hypothesis. These are numerous scientific studies. Zero studies showed that the... Um, Masks can be conclusively proven to prevent the spread of infection, and multiple studies showed that they are dangerous for people to wear them uh, for a long period of time, and the government really has no business mandating that they do so. So I think that's important to get out there. I want to go back to, as we start hour number two, to Dr. Fauci and his testimony yesterday before the Senate panel about the state of the coronavirus and the responses. I played for you last hour, Rand Paul um, really just kind of laying it out, really telling Dr. Fauci, you've been wrong after uh, wrong prediction after wrong prediction after wrong prediction. You're not the be-all, end-all guy here. There's a lot of other people that should have a say in this. And our economy matters, and our education matters, our school matters. You don't get to do, you know, keep locking down the population like this. And I didn't give you a chance to hear Fauci's response. I want you to hear uh, that and then I've got some thoughts on it, and I'll ask you for yours. And I think that's important because in all likelihood, is a good way of putting it, the vast majority of these people will have immunity. Instead of saying Paul. there is no evidence, you know, the WHO kind of fed into this by saying no evidence of immunity. And in reality, there's every evidence stacking up. And In fact, a lot of the different studies have shown that it is very unlikely that you get it again in the short term. With regard to going back to school, 
One thing that was left out of that discussion is um, mortality. I mean, shouldn't we at least be discussing what the mortality of children is? Um, this is for Dr. Fauci as well. You know, the mortality between 0 and 18 in the New York data approaches 0. It's not going to be absolutely 0, but it almost approaches 0. Between 18 and 45, the mortality in New York was uh, 10 out of 100,000. So really, we do need to be thinking about that. We need to uh, observe with an open mind what went on in Sweden, where the kids kept going to school. The mortality per capita in Sweden is actually less than France, less than Italy, less than Spain, less than Belgium, less than the Netherlands, about the same as Switzerland. But basically, I don't think there's anybody arguing that what happened in Sweden is an unacceptable result. I think people are intrigued by it, and we should be. I don't think any of us are certain when we do all these modelings. There have been more people wrong with modeling than right. We're opening up a lot of economies around the, around the U.S., and I hope that people who are predicting doom and gloom and saying, oh, we can't do this, there's going to be a surge, will admit that they were wrong if there isn't a surge, because I think that's what's going to happen. And that will never happen, Senator Paul, because Dr. Fauci would have an opportunity right now to admit that they were wrong. They were wrong about the massive numbers. They were wrong about the mortality rate. They were wrong using those models from Imperial College in London and wrong about the Washington, University of Washington studies. And he's never said he's wrong. That's the one thing. Scientists always say, follow the science. But when you show the science and the statistics that prove they were wrong, all they want to do is try to find new science. They will never acknowledge defeat. Rural states, we never really reached any sort of pandemic levels in Kentucky and other states. We have less deaths in Kentucky than we have in, a, in, an, in an average flu season. It's not to say this isn't deadly, but really outside of New England, we've had a relatively benign course for this virus nationwide. And I think the one-size-fits-all that we're going to have a national strategy and nobody's going to go to school is kind of ridiculous. We really ought to be doing it school district by school district, and the power needs to be dispersed because people make wrong predictions. And really the history of this, when we look back, will be of wrong prediction after wrong prediction after wrong prediction, starting with uh, Ferguson in England. So I think we ought to have a, a little bit of humility in, in our uh, belief that we know what's best for the economy. And as much as I respect you, Dr. Fauci, I don't think you're the end all. I don't think you're the one person that gets to make a decision. We can listen to your advice, but there are people on the other side saying there's not going to be a surge and that we can safely open the economy. And the facts will t bear this out. But if we keep kids out of school for another year, what's going to happen is the poor and underprivileged kids who don't have a parent that's able to teach them at home are not going to learn for a full year. And I think we ought to look at the Swedish model and we ought to look at letting our kids get back to school. I think it's a huge mistake if we don't open the schools in the fall. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, can I respond to that even though there are only 32 seconds left? Uh, yes, and you might make it clear whether or not you suggested that uh, we shouldn't go back to school in the fall. Well, uh, first of all, uh, Senator Paul, thank you for your comments. I, I have never made myself out to be the end-all and only voice of this. I'm a scientist, a physician, and a public health official. I give advice according to the best scientific evidence. There are a number of other people who come into that and give advice that are more related to the things that you spoke about, about the need to get the country back open again and economically. I don't give advice about economic things. I don't give advice about anything other than public health. So I wanted to respond to that. The second thing... I'm going to stop that because that's the part I wanted you to hear. Rand, uh, um, Rand Paul essentially got Dr. Fauci to admit that he gives no thought whatsoever to the impact on the economy. Or, and this is where I think he's very derelict in his duties, Dr. Fauci is. 
He doesn't give thought to, or at least publicly state that he has given thought to, um, adverse effects on other public health because of the decisions that he is recommending uh, as it pertains to COVID-19. There are so many other adverse health effects to being locked down. Rand Paul ran through some of them. Uh, but there are, if he's a public health official and he says, I only look at this from a health standpoint, I don't look at the economy. First of all, that's terrible because the decisions he makes on one has a huge deleterious effect on the second, on the economy, right? And then thirdly, let's go back to his health, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, health professional. Okay. Well, if you're a health professional and you're concerned about public health, what about the number of people who can't have, uh, couldn't have for a two month period of time colonoscopies or mammograms or any other checks or any other procedures or evaluations or diagnoses on a variety of things because everybody was worried about the overrunning of the hospital with uh, Chinese coronavirus patients, which never happened. And now we sit here with empty hospitals, laid off healthcare workers, and and instead of saying, yeah, we were wrong about that, he just says, you know, we might have another spike. We better keep on going as usual or as is. And that's a problem. Now to the part that Senator Paul said and and uh, about uh, closing the schools. In fact, let me listen to the rest. Let me let you listen to the rest of Dr. Fauci here because he was asked specifically to speak to the issue of closing the schools or remaining keeping them closed in the fall. Is that you use the word we should be humble about what we don't know. And I think that falls under the fact that we don't know everything about this virus and we really better be very careful particularly when it comes to children because the more and more we learn We're seeing things about what this virus can do that we didn't see from the studies in China or in Europe. For example, right now, children presenting with COVID-19 who actually have a very strange inflammatory syndrome, very similar to Kawasaki syndrome. I think we better be careful if we are not. These are children with Kawasaki syndrome. And because they actually have a cough, too, you say, well, it's just like COVID-19. No. Don't say kids presenting with COVID-19 symptoms are also exhibiting Kawasaki syndrome. There are kids who get Kawasaki syndrome, a lot of them. And, and unless you were testing them and actually they are positive for the coronavirus, this is irresponsible. I don't have to be a health professional to understand that. Not cavalier in thinking that children are completely immune to the deleterious effects. So again, you're right in the numbers that children in general do much, much better than adults and the elderly and particularly those with underlying conditions. But I am very careful and hopefully humble in knowing that I don't know everything about this disease. Dr. Fauci doesn't really know anything about this disease, considering that he was wrong in January, he was wrong in February, then he changed approaches in March, changed again in April, and now in May is still in the air. I don't really know. We don't know anything about this. What we do know is that it is 99.9% of the time not going to kill anybody who gets it. That a tiny, tiny fraction of Americans who have gotten this disease have had to be hospitalized and an even tinier fraction of them have lost their lives. That's the bottom line here. He's trying to tell us we should live in a germ-free, risk-free world. That does not exist. As it pertains to the schools, I have wanted to focus on this. I want to share this with you. 
the argument, and President Trump, by the way, said the same thing. Uh, and and uh, Tim Scott mentioned this as well. And Rand Paul said this. We cannot allow these children to sit for a year not being educated at this formative time, of course, of their, their, their brain development and their social development and their personality development. All of these things are extraordinarily important in schools. And the argument is, well, they may not get sick because kids are not getting sick from this and certainly not losing their lives, as Rand Paul illustrated. But the argument is, they may not, but they may become, here it is again, this is their, this is their go-to line. They may be asymptomatic carriers. They may not show cough or fever or, or any other respiratory discomfort or any of these other things that are associated with it, but they might just be carrying it and they might take it home to grandma or take it home to COPD dad, or whatever the case might be. That's their argument. And it's impossible to refute because it's completely uh, conjecture. And to say, oh, maybe they're asymptomatic here, you could say that about the entire population. Everybody may be asymptomatic and may have it. And that's what, in fact, they're doing. They're trying to get an entire population to treat themselves as if they are carriers of the disease, but not sick themselves and not uh, showing any of the symptoms. So therefore, since you may be carrying it and don't know, treat yourself as if you are carrying it and wear a mask. Put your own health in jeopardy and wear a mask. That does nothing. But to the school issue about children bringing it home, giving it to grandma or parents or something else, Daniel Horowitz at Conservative Review addressed this as well as anybody that I've seen yet. I'll share Daniel's response with you, and then I will get to your phone calls, I promise, on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty six. As we continue, I'm going to save Daniel Horowitz the uh, information I wanted to share with you about the arguments about children bringing home diseases from schools and spreading it to their uh, vulnerable grandparents or parents or whomever. I'll save that for the other side of the news. But I promised you calls. I should give you calls. BJ in North Olmsted on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. How are you, Bob? Um, I've told you for the longest time I'm very optimistic on our on our future until yesterday, and I was pretty much shaken by an incident. When I drove through the Metropolitan, I saw wonderful families and people out there having a good time without their masks. <laughs> but my companion and I went shopping at Heinen's in Bay Village, and 99% of the people, 99.5%, were wearing masks, and I thought the conformity that the American public has been willing to buy into is frightening to me. I'm wondering where the kids of 68 and 70s that were so rebellious against uh, intrusion into their freedoms and what they wanted to do, where the hell are they now? Where are their children? Where are their grandchildren? This is frightening to see the way the American people have capitulated to all these false and lying rumors about a disease with all the thousands of diseases we've had since then was brought into this planet. And I hope the Americans wake up, and I thank you for your time. Well, I hope they wake up, too, BJ. Thanks for the call. Fortunately, we go, my wife and I, we... um We've been shopping at Giant Eagle primarily for our groceries, and they do not require masks. 
Uh, and there was a store we were shopping at, I won't say it, it's not important, I guess, that did start to require the masks of all shoppers in addition to workers, and we said, okay, we're going to take our business elsewhere, and we took it to Giant Eagle, and if they start requiring us to do things that are completely anti-science and, quite frankly, anti-liberty, we'll go somewhere else as well. But in the places that we have seen that do not require it, it is a small, much smaller percentage of people who are choosing to wear them, maybe 30% tops, probably 70, 75% of the people, unscientifically, just observationally, that we have seen are in there wearing no masks and no gloves and living their lives because they realize and recognize the reality of this uh, uh, of the threat of this uh, virus. Um, let's go to Middleburg Heights and Dan on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Dan. Good morning. Uh, I have two names to throw out to you. Uh for your edification, uh, to back up uh, the doctor that you interviewed earlier, mm-hmm. there's uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but here in Middleburg Heights, there's a Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. She's a world expert on viruses. She backed up, I've heard three interviews with her, and she's magnificent. You may want her on your show, look her up, because she backs that doctor almost like 100%. And she's a world expert on viruses. Their name right, is Sherry I... Tenpenny. All right, Dan, I appreciate it. Thanks also, for the heads up. Also... Mm-hmm. There's another, is on YouTube, and it's a 26-minute interview. I don't know if you're familiar, but her name is Dr. Judy Mikovitz. She's a, yeah, everybody in America is familiar with that you, one. Oh, you, okay, so I don't need to tell you about that. <laughs> until, of course, they took it down, until they took, a, until, uh, but, until they took that video down on but, virtually every uh, video-sharing site that there Bob, is. she connected Fauci and Redfield from the CDC with, they, they, they develop viruses, but they, in their back pocket, have the patents. For any remedies, and that's what the doctor you had from Mississippi was saying. He's connected with pharmaceuticals, so right. they have no reason to to uh, bring the country back together quickly. There's no reason at all. It's a scam. Well, I'll tell you what, and thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Dan. Uh, I watched that uh, uh, documentary, that half-hour documentary, twice. Uh, it is filled with a lot of really important information. Some of that information is being challenged. Some of it is being said to be unproven. Um, but i I got to tell you, it, it does not look good. And a lot of what Dr. Blaylock just told me and a lot of what was presented by Dr. Mikevitz in that video that you're talking about should raise questions and should make a lot of people dig a lot deeper into uh, the backgrounds of Dr. Fauci and Dr. Redfield and others. I'm not condemning them, and I'm not going to say everything is 100% true, but I'm going to say it warrants a seriously deep investigation into what they're doing and what their motives are and what their connections are. I would say that. The questions should be asked if answers are not necessarily being given yet. 1030, news time. More calls after this. AM 1420, The Answer. All right, so going back at it now, uh, I want to return to the conversation about opening schools this fall and how incredibly important that is for uh, all children. I don't care if it's K through 12. I don't care if it's the primary grades or the middle school grades or the high school grades, and quite frankly, the college students. And I've got a high school kid and I've got a college student who's going to be going into her sophomore year in the fall. And I can tell you this, uh, this is devastating to them and their learning curve. 
their their ability and their prospects for absorbing and advancing their knowledge base, their ability to learn, etc. If they sit in front of a, a laptop for another semester, the fall semester, if they try to learn by uh, looking things up on Google instead of actually learning from professionals, instructors, uh, and by the way, I'm not talking about anti-homeschooling either. I'm absolutely not anti-homeschooling. As a matter of fact, for some people, I think the uh, educated instructors in the kitchen uh, are more qualified than some of those um, in the school buildings. But by and large, that isn't the case. Not everybody's capable of doing a homeschool type of setting with real instruction. So all they're doing is whatever is on the laptop, whatever is being assigned to them <clears throat> without instruction, by their teachers, and kids are going to suffer greatly. As uh, Rand Paul said to Dr. Fauci, as he kind of said, it might be really too dangerous to put kids in school this fall. So my friend Daniel Horowitz at Conservative Review wrote about this, and I think it's the best argument against the uh, claim that children might not carry or might not get sick, but they could carry it asymptomatically, and this is always the wonderful tool that they use because it can't be disproven. It can't be proven or disproven. You may be asymptomatic. That means no symptoms whatsoever, but still carry the disease home to your grandparents or your great-grandparents if they are nearby or your parents if they are immunocompromised. And this is an argument, again, it's, just, it's really uh, difficult to, to counter, but Daniel does with some simple common-sense facts. Quoting from Daniel Horowitz now on Conservative Review. Inevitably, proponents of indefinite lockdowns will change, even, or excuse me, will charge, beg your pardon, will charge, even if children have no risk of killing each other, they will spread it to their grandparents or vulnerable populations while they are asymptomatic and get them killed. Even if the premise of mass asymptomatic spread from kids to the elderly is rooted in science, it would not justify a full shutdown. One can easily still abide by guidelines not to have kids around vulnerable populations and for the kids from households with chronically ill people to stay home and get live streams for their classes. Most young adults who are the parents of school-aged children also have a remarkably low fatality rate, which is just proven from multiple data sets, even if it's not quite as low for children, has been proven. And uh, again, for those parents with sib- or siblings with high risks, they would obviously be advised for their children to stay home. And any healthy child who shows any signs of temporary respiratory illness or fever as well. So let me pause there. It's, it's so sensible. Yes, are there some children being raised by grandparents? Yes. Are some children being raised in the household by parents with underlying health conditions? Yes. Should all children be banned from going to school and getting their educations because of that relative few number of people? No. You run school, you open school, you allow school, you allow all of the things associated with school, and children who are in households where there may be a compromised person living with them, they stay home and have the online education. Why should everyone stay home and have the online services as opposed to being in school? Because some may go home to senior citizen parents or grandparents. It makes no sense at all. Daniel continues. Take Florida, for example, the third largest state in the country. There has not been a single death in the age bracket under 24. And, excuse me, and only 87 deaths for those under 55. How many of those had serious underlying conditions? 
This is in a state of over 21 million people. In Texas, a state of nearly 30 million people, there have been just 69 deaths among those under age 60. In many of the smaller states, there are zero deaths of younger adults of any health status. Even in New Jersey, the second hardest hit state, no school-age children have died, while 360 under the age of 50 have died as of May 1st. New York City is the only place in the country with statistically significant numbers of younger people, but not kids, dying. But broken down by those with health conditions, only 85 people under the age of 65, and most of them were near the upper bound uh, of the age bracket, died without underlying conditions. That's one half of 1% of all New York City deaths. Dealing with school children and their parents is a very manageable problem relative to the problem of a lockdown and can certainly be tailored state by state and county by county. Part two of this from Daniel that I want to share with you, and I want you, there's a reason, by the way, there's a little method in my madness. I want you to get on board the opening of the schools in the same way you have gotten on board with opening the businesses and getting in Mike DeWine's ear and getting in the, the ears of our state representatives and federally as well, because we're all on board with open Ohio's economy, get people back to work, et cetera, et cetera. I want you to approach the schools with the same vigor and the same amount of passion, because it matters. Evidence shows kids do not transmit COVID-19 to adults in significant numbers anyway. Let's take this a step further. Daniel writes, "If there is there even a problem with kids being around Grandpa? There are now several studies that show the entire premise of mass child-to-adult spread is completely unfounded. And there is certainly no definitive evidence showing that mass child-to-adult spread is a problem. Switzerland opened its schools after failing to find a single case of child-to-adult transmission, instead uh, positing that adults are the ones who transmit it to children. The country has even advised that that children under 10 can safely hug their grandparents. Children are very rarely infected and do not pass on the virus, said Daniel Cook, the head of Infectious Diseases Unit at the Federal Office of Public Health in Bern. That is why small children pose no risk to high-risk patients or grandparents. A U.K. study from the Royal College of Pediatrics found that at the very least, children, quote, do not play a significant role, end quote, in spreading the virus. A nine-year-old British boy who contracted the virus in the French Alps failed to pass on the virus to a single one of the 170 people he was in contact with. Iceland, which has done the most extensive testing per capita of any country and has thus far achieved very successful results, also found very little risk in child transmission. We have not found a single instance of a child infecting parents, said Carl Stephenson of Iceland's comp- uh, Iceland, uh, the Icelandic company Decode Genetics. Preliminary results from a similar Dutch study found that children play a very small role in the spread of the novel coronavirus. The virus is mainly spread between adults and from adult family members to children. Australia is one of the only Western countries that left most schools open for most of the epidemic. And it found also that kids, contrary to popular theory, were not super spreaders. Australia's National Center for Immunization Research and Surveillance traced 900 contacts among kids who tested positive in schools and found only two passed on the virus to someone else. It's unclear whether those two receivers were other uh, were kids or uh, other kids or adults. At this point, though, the onus is on our governments to demonstrate why closing schools and all its collateral damage is justified. If anything, having children spread it to each other is the lowest risk path of generating more herd immunity, especially given that there is no evidence of any significant child-to-adult spread. 
And again, it's understandable. If we might want to be more cautious than the Swiss and still keep kids away from seniors, but that should not stop schools from reopening and children from playing with one another. Taiwan never closed its schools and did not achieve worse results than the other Asian countries with similar demographics that did. It actually had the fewest deaths of all. Singapore closed its schools much later than Hong Kong and did not affect Singapore's outcome. An observation noted by the CDC, by the way, in a memo last month. Finally, after weeks, uh, weeks after the peak of the virus, it is indefensible for us to not reopen our schools. Political amnesia works wonders in America, we, but we have, have we all forgotten that New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, of all people, again, actually vigorously opposed the effort to shut down local schools back in March and believed it was, believed it was totally unnecessary. I think that's some extraordinarily important information. And thank you to Daniel for doing the research on all of the other countries and the fact that, we are, as we are finding out, that spread of the coronavirus from children to adults is extraordinarily, extraordinarily limited and the threat is not great enough to justify a full-on shutdown of schools. All right, let's go to Cleveland and we'll talk to Doug on AM 1420, The Answer, next. Hi, Doug, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, there's a there's a great topic. There's a commentary on this. Danielle Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. I've got the tapes of Trump says he bribed Russia $8 million to be president to cover up the Epstein scandal. I called the FBI twice to have not responded. And the girls' blog read every single word being held captive like the two girls that were in Ohio. says, um, I'm in a forced marriage. Girls are marketed. There's instances when I struggle. Depends on how strong you are to resist. That's in the responses. The candy I was eating was toxic. Says high school girls are target for marketing needs to be lined out of town. The producers kept this in mind. There's two judges' daughters that you're recruiting for Epstein and their madams. They give you your college diploma and then they take you to an island. Doug, 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 I gotta, I gotta cut you off here, Doug. Doug, I, I appreciate the call, but what in the living hell are you talking about? I mean, honestly, you gotta stop calling me, Doug. You really do. You're promoting somebody's CTLLL or whatever every time you call. I have no idea what in the world you're talking about, what Epstein has to do with any of this. Do me a favor. Find another show. This is the wrong one for you. I'm not going to entertain those calls. 1046, uh, let's go to AC in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, AC. Go ahead. Bob, in, yes, the, book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation is something which goes along with what Dr. Blaylock said in a most unusual way. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 16, it says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And verse 17 says, And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark. Now think back to the Monday, April 27th meeting with the directives for opening businesses. The primary lab coat had initially ordered that no Ohioan could buy or sell in person except they wore a mask. So you're saying so the, the mask is, is the new mark of the beast? Well, I'm not, no, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying it's a foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Well, um... I'm well aware of the verse that you're talking about. It it's a it's a common topic, particularly in a lot of conservative circles. Um, and I will say, and thanks for the call, AC. I'll say this about that: um, I am aware and alert to prospects of those kinds of mandatory things. I see them being more monetary 
and financial in nature than I do medical. What I mean is, we have gotten so much closer to being a cashless society today, um, but we still have to use devices. Um, we've gone from having to have cash to being able to use checks to being able to use credit cards, then being able to use just uh, Apple Pay or virtual swipes or chips being inserted from a card into a reader, etc. Sooner or later, my fear is it's going to be, you know that silver chip on the end of your credit card that you insert into that? Isn't that a pain when you lose it? Isn't it a pain when you lose that card and you have to carry a wallet? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just wave your hand in front of the scanner and it would deduct it from your account? We can insert one of those in the back of your hand or in your arm or whatever. I feel like that's probably the biggest, this is just an opinion, that's probably the biggest concern that I would have about somebody eventually starting the volunteerism of, hey, wouldn't you like to just do this? Then you don't have to carry cash ever. You can wave your hand in front of a scanner and pay. Um, and then from voluntary to, oh, my gosh, almost everybody is doing this, and we are going to phase out other forms of payment to the point where everybody has to do it. Now I think we're into Book of Revelations territory. I really think. I don't think it's going to be a health thing. Wear the mask. It's like the mark. Or get the, this particular vaccine. I don't think they're going to uh, um, uh, have a, what are they saying, a, a microchip that's going to be the size of the flake of a flake of pepper, I think is what I read, by in some circles, that will be included in the vaccination for the COVID-19 virus. I'm not buying that. I'm just not. Maybe I'm being naive, but I'm not buying that. I do believe there are a lot of questions about any potential vaccinations that might be put forth by the government. I do think uh, uh, that there may be some financial motives there, as Dr. Blaylock, Blaylock talked about, for Dr. Fauci and others, perhaps, to get rich with from Big Pharma by pushing and pushing and pushing this as far as they can until the vaccine is seen as the savior for all and then is sold at extraordinary prices and people like Dr. Fauci get rich. I think some problems there are some problems with that, but I don't think that the mask and any potential vaccine containing some sort of a microchip is where this is going. But I do appreciate the uh, the discussion of it. I'll entertain all of those kinds of questions because I do think there are some things to be concerned about, like I said, with respect to cashless societies. And I think if the mark, if you will, nobody uh, shall be able to buy and sell without the mark uh, from Revelations, I think it will be more monetary in nature rather than uh, health-wise. Great call. Appreciate it. Final time out here at 1051. We'll come back with a couple of more phone calls to wrap it up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1054 AM 1420, The Answer. i got time for maybe one or two more calls. This one's going to be risky. I see the word Bratnall. I usually only get calls from one person from Bratnall, and he's Lefty Joe, who likes to call and troll uh, uh, on the program. Let's see what he's doing today. Joe, go right ahead. Well, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to compliment uh, Dr. Fauci, and I'm going to say that I, as other areas of life, stick with people who are experts and know what they're talking about. Everybody's got an opinion about Corona and COVID-19. I got one, everybody's got one. But I think I'm listening to the experts. I'm not listening to a guy who drinks Clorox in his spare time. 
Who's, I'm who talking about clothes? our dear leader. Who drinks yeah, clothes? Our dear leader was talking to Dr. Burks when he said it. He was being serious. He tries to lie about it, but he lies about everything. Well, what, 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 what did he say to Dr. Burks? Well, he was telling her that he, he thinks we should look into Lysol and Clorox and, oh, and try to he, maybe did, did find you, did something. You, did, you hear, did you hear him say the words yes, Lysol I and did. Clorox? Yes, I did. It was on the news, and no, they saw Dr. Burks sitting no, there. No, You're no, not going to get didn't. me. Oh, oh, yes, Joe, you've already, gotten your, you've already gotten yourself. You've already gotten yourself. I've President had, no, Trump, President Trump, no, 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 Joe, no, Joe, Joe, no, Joe, 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 no, Joe, no, Joe, no, 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 Joe, Joe, I don't want to have, I don't want to have to disconnect you, I prefer to talk to you and tell you how wrong you are rather than disconnect you and then okay, tell you how wrong you are, so listen, tell me, tell me, you, you are substituting the words Lysol and Clorox for the word disinfectant which the president did use in asking Dr. Burks and asking, uh, saying generally, he said, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but it's something I hope mm-hmm. they look into. Can we disinfect from the inside rather than using mm-hmm. di- disinfectants such as yeah. uh, the but things I'll you're talking you about? No, well, the, you're right, you're going to give it to me because you just said something that was objectively, provably, easily false, which is what you guys do on the regular. No, and it takes, it takes common sense and no, reason to just explain how, how dishonest you guys are. You Bob, just tried to say, Joe, Joe, you just great. called a radio show and said that President Trump told people to drink Clorox. You're a liar, and you've just been exposed no, as one. No, I am not. I, you just lied, and you, said, no, and, you, no. and you told me we're I wasn't going to get you. This, but man. you were just proven to be a liar, we're Lefty gonna Joe. Find, I'm gonna look, no, it's just like everything You were just else. proven to be a liar, liar, Lefty Joe. Will, no, no, no. You, I, I'm not lying. You'd like me to be a liar. Okay. But I'm not a liar. Thanks for the call, Joe. Uh, this He's an interesting cat. You know, I mean, he literally swears Trump told people to drink Clorox or inject Lysol. When the president was talking about UV rays being used, UV light, to disinfect, to disinfect and kill the virus. Can we look into UV disinfecting from the inside once it's already attacking the lungs? That was what the question, uh, the question that the president asked. It was a question, by the way, not a declarative. It was an interrogative. For those who have forgotten their junior high English, it was an interrogative questioning whether or not we can use UV light to disinfect from the inside. People like MSNBC and CNN reached out to people like Lefty Joe and Bratnall and said, he just told people to drink Clorox. Run with it. And people like Lefty Joe said, I'm running. And he's calling radio shows and saying, did you hear that? Trump said to drink Clorox. Trump didn't say anything. Trump asked. And Trump didn't ask about Clorox or Lysol or household disinfectants. He was talking about UV light as a disinfectant. Sometimes you just got to put these people in their place. Uh, Middleburg, Bob, AM1420, The Answer. You get the last word. Bob, go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Kind of tough to follow the Joe show there. <laughs> but uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 tuned in, yeah, I tuned in kind of late, and I believe that you had that fellow, Dr. Blaylock was his name? Yes, sir. Did he effectively say that an N95 mask does not work? I, I don't know. I didn't quite catch it all. 
No, and you know what? I'll tell you what, because I can't explain it all to you. I will point you to the website. Just just look up citizensforfreespeech.org, and you go to the okay. blog tab at the top. It's the first blog. We posted it from Dr. Blaylock in which he, Blaylock, in which he explains the difference between N95 masks and surgical masks and the different challenges posed by both for various reasons. That's all I can say now because I'm out of time, but look it up and read it for yourself. It's tremendously well-researched and sourced. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes. Um.